Ladies and gentlemen, you are now tuned in to Mastering Mitzvahs. Mastering Mitzvahs, a podcast focused on creating the perfect bar and bat mitzvah celebration, offering tips, tricks, and trends to ensure an amazing event. Mastering Mitzvahs. From New Jersey's own explosive entertainment. Explosive entertainment. I know you're going to dig this. And here they are, your hosts, Jordan Marshall, Dylan Weissman, and Mike Langser. That intro music's got me, man. It's been a while since you heard it. That's right. I forget how much I like it. You know, you know what else is funny? I, I'm looking at your background now. I feel like every podcast you do now is in a different house or different setting or something. Like, you know, I hate to start the podcast that way, but uh, you, you need a you need a podcast home these days. I just I just need a house, man. I need my own bedroom. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know if the world wants to hear that saga or if we have enough. No time in this podcast to talk about that but one day there'll be a, a home studio with the normal background and a nice comfortable chair yeah eventually until then live from the loft in newtown there you go so i i think it's been six weeks i i kind of look back i think march 26 was our last recording so if i'm doing my math quickly that's like six or seven weeks um, since we've done one of these, and, and clearly it's just you and me today. Jordan is flying out of town right now for a DJ conference, and I would like I have so much I want to talk about. I don't know how we're going to do it in uh, thirty minutes, but I kind of want to talk about like the craziness in the last six weeks, which equals somewhere around like thirty mitzvahs or so in in six okay. weeks. So, so I'm looking at, if you go into your uh, event planner and go to your personal calendar, like the employee menu side, you'll be able to see your past events in the six weeks that you're talking about between podcasts that we've done. I personally did 25 events. Some wow. of them were prom, some of them were weddings, some of them were sweet 16s. Most of them were mitzvahs. So 25 in six weeks is, is what I got. Uh, 25 and, events in six weeks. Yep. Amazing. Uh, and, and I, I'm looking at them and the, most of them are mitzvahs and they're all so different and there's so much going on with them. I don't even know like how to cover six weeks in a podcast, but uh, we're going to give it a shot. Um, so we are, for, for our listeners, in the Northeast Corridor area, there are seasons to mitzvahs. There, there are seasons. So basically you have your fall season, which is basically the end of August through, you know, the one or two weeks into December. Uh, and then you have your spring season, which is like mid March to mid June. So like, this is really the end of the season. Sure. We have, uh, you know, a spattering of, of mitzvahs throughout the summer, but for the majority of it, we do 90% of our mitzvahs in those six months. Um, so you are about to get fed from a fire hose when it comes to, uh, some of the mitzvahs that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. I mean, it, the numbers are incredible. I I just did my numbers the same way. you and, and mine came up to 36, which I know my numbers are a little tainted because the montages are in there, but holy cow. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so uh, listen, Dylan, I, I don't know how we're going to do this in any particular order, um, but I kind of wanted to jump backwards, maybe just from this past weekend. We're recording now on a Monday. Um 
you had a party last night that you said was amazing. It was a Sunday night party. Yeah. And then I want to talk about Saturday where you had a, a, a another great party. I had a double party and my Saturday, my morning and night were totally different, like totally, totally different. Same equipment, same truck. Half of the staff was the same, but I couldn't have two polar different parties that were both 10 out of 10s. So yes. why don't you hit first? Let's kind of work our way backwards. How was yesterday? Yesterday was so much fun. Um, and it goes to show, so we were at Orem yesterday with an, uh, an uh, a more conservative-leaning Orthodox family. So um, the majority of the guests there were Orthodox. Um, so obviously the Sunday party was a, was a must for them. And it just shows how dynamic a celebration can be with a professional team. Um, the folks at Orem run such a tight ship. Um, that even with some of the dietary and timeline restraints that come with it, it was such a good and seamless event. My favorite part is that in just in our opening dance set, I played Kesha, Jennifer Lopez, an Israeli artist named Omar Adam. Um, what else did I play? I, I know I, Omar Adam. He's like, got a lot of great tracks. Yeah, he's got great tracks. But like it was... I couldn't have had a more different type of opening set and every single one of them hit. And what I love is that the families fed off of each other. Like for the majority of the kids, they didn't know the Israeli music, but the adults did and their energy picked everyone up. And then when we played like Pitbull or Kesha, uh, you know, the kids energies fed onto the adults. So it was such a collaborative and cohesive celebration that it makes you think, who am I inviting to my celebration? Who is going to be my spark plug? And will they complement each other? Because we had such different music styles just in the first dance set that if it didn't hit, it would have been a very long evening, but it did. And I mean, look, we joke about it, but I felt like Tiesto, man. It was just so much fun. It was just so much fun. <laughs> so so you just said, though, um, who do you invite? I know you kind of wanted to jump into this conversation, but who do you invite? And I want to explore adults and kids, you know, quickly, like, you know, there's politics to who you invite and there's family and whatnot, but like, how do you draw the line or where do you draw the line? That is really, really, really tough. And it, it's all circumstantial. I mean, look, it's really easy for me to say behind a camera in front of you all, like only invite the people that you love and care about, only invite the people who are going to be there to celebrate for the right reasons. Um, but I understand that there's, you know, people that you have to invite because you're, they're your grandparents' best friends. Like sometimes that happens, but I think that there's a, a tasteful way to remember why you're celebrating. And I mean, if, if it were, if it were Noah's bat mitzvah tomorrow, I probably wouldn't invite anyone who didn't, that she didn't want to hug and kiss and be there. Cause if my child who I'm throwing the party for feels comfortable, it's more likely that they're going to have the time of their lives, which is what we're doing this for. Sure. It's what we're investing I our money in. I had, I had a situation happen Saturday morning that I hadn't told you about, but um, it was a boys party, a lot of boys, and there was almost a fist fight of 13-year-old boys that broke out on the dance floor like during cocktail hour, um, and it was apparently a couple of the boys were just known to be jerks, and apparently they start problems all the time, and I overheard some of the other boys in the bathroom talking about it saying this kid always ruins everybody's bar mitzvah. So, like, I, I mean, I know a lot of time you hear I invited the entire class or the entire grade, depending on the size of the school. But, you know, 
sometimes you got to leave some people off. If there's, you know, the, I'll call them a D-bag, you know, for political reasons here. But if there's a D-bag in the group, don't invite them. You know, like right. this kid caused some ruckus. And luckily our staff, you know, took care of it before it was a thing. And, you know, they kind of embarrassed this kid and put him in his place. But, uh, you know, 13-year-old bullies, come on. Well, so that's that's a really great point. And I think that one of the very first things that you can do to set your party up for success is talk about your guest count openly with, with your child. Um, because that'll dictate like what type of venue you're going to be looking at based on size. And I'd rather you have a 125 person rager of amazing, amazing close knit family and friends than having 250 people. And some of them are D bags. Um, it, it just, it'll end up being better. You don't need a lot of people to have a lot of energy. So, um, I think that that's a really important step, you know, first step for a Actually, lot of, for a lot that, of families. To that note. You know, two weekends ago, I had a communion and it was 350 people. And that was too many, if you ask me. It was it was too many people to manage. There was too much going on, too hard to keep the room quiet at certain points. So there does need to be a, a, a point where you're just like enough is enough, you know, with the invite list. Well, yeah, I think that at, at that point, you're kind of like, that's gonna put a lot of strain on you as the host, if you have too many people, because you're gonna feel obligated to at least say hi and bye to everyone. I mean, you're gonna spend your cocktail hour saying hi to everyone. And then your last hour of your party saying bye to everyone. I mean, that's just, right. that's a lot. That's a lot. Right. So so guest count is a big deal. And we only covered one event. <laughs> we yeah. covered one event. So, well, so you know what else I want to highlight of what you just said, and then we'll move on to the next one. Um, I want to highlight that you spoke about Orem. And you know, we talk about Orem so often on this podcast because we love the facility but there's something so true to be said about a facility that knows what they're doing and how to run a party and that's going to be my transition into my next point i'm not going to name the venue or which of my parties in the last six weeks but one of these parties um i hadn't even told you this dylan you know the facility was great they were so nice they were very accommodating but boy they did not know what they're doing when it came to bar mitzvah time um, they asked us in advance for a timeline. We sent it to them. They re went over it in advance and we thought we were good. Well, I'll give you an example of what happened though. You know, we, we, um, it was came time to serve the food. They did a plated served meal for the adults. And then they went right into adults food stations and the, the maitre d' comes over to me. I was the DJ and says, Hey, adults food is ready. I said, cool. Like, let them know. Like, do you, I, I'm not making table announcements. So she kind of like walked away and I thought she was going to go table by table and invite people to the buffet. And I'm sitting looking around and nobody had moved. The adults had no idea that their buffet was ready. So I'm like, I don't want to overstep my boundaries. It's not my venue, but I know that we're on a tight schedule of things that we have to do. And if we don't get moving, we're going to fall behind. So I took it upon myself, go over to the first two tables that I saw. I said, adults, just to let you know your food's ready. Help yourselves. And they got up and they said, oh, thanks. And they got up and they got their food. And I thought the other tables might see it and follow suit. And either they saw it and were waiting for their own invite or they just didn't see it. And again, now I played Mater D going over table by table, inviting people to the buffet. You know, it all worked out. But the point that I want to share is that the venue needed direction in the mitzvah world. And, and I would encourage if somebody asked me about the specific venue, I would say book them, but just make sure you book entertainment that can run the party also. Cause it really took us, you know, to do that. Um, yeah. You know, when it came time to bring out the cake and came time to bring out the holla, there was nobody around to carry it out. And our staff did it. And we, we 
we did it seamlessly. It was no big deal to us. But, you know, if we weren't who we were, that kind of thing wouldn't have happened. We, we preach it every time. Just hire yeah. professionals. Yeah. Hire professionals. Right in, your vetting, in, your, in your vetting process, have you done mitzvahs before? If so, what are some of the challenges that you see? Right. They'll tell you right off the bat, uh, off the bat, what some of the challenges are, and you'll know from their answers if they know how to handle those challenges or not. So, I mean, that's a big part of it, right? Right, right. So, I mean, I'm going to jump in again for a sec, but you know, that same day, I was on a double, and when I went to my evening party, it was at a place that pumps out bar mitzvahs and does them seamlessly, and what a just different experience. I mean, you know, when it came time for the montage. Popcorn was out for the kids. You know, when it came time for dessert, they wheeled the giant VNEs out. And, you know, it, it all just happens like almost theatrically when you're right. at a place that does these things, you know, does mitzvahs regularly. So what a world of a difference. Well, so I think that one of the things that we have to remember when it comes to bar mitzvahs, unlike weddings, especially when you book a venue that does both, because that's more common than not, is that there's a rhyme and a reason for every single thing we do, including how we process meals. Let me give you an example. Uh, one of the bar mitzvahs that I had done said, I want to do Coke Pepsi right now. And right now is relative, but I want to do Coke Pepsi right now. The reason I didn't oblige the bat mitzvah girl, even though it was her party, right? Is that Coke Pepsi is a great crowd control game that needs space, but it also vets the crowd to the buffet station. So as we eliminate kids, at least there's not a line of 70 kids at the station. So playing Coke Pepsi right before the buffet is a smart way to incorporate that game so that there's not a long line of people waiting for stations. Um, so there's a rhyme and reason for everything that we do, like staggered plated meals and services, or why would we wait to do the father-daughter dance until after dessert? Well, the reason is because now it gives everyone something to re-engage as opposed to looking for their coat uh, to leave. So ask the question, why do you want to have X, Y, and Z at certain times? And I bet you good entertainment companies and good bar mitzvah vendors and, and bar mitzvah vendors in general will have a really strong answer to help you feel comfortable about how they're going to run their celebration or your celebration. Yeah. In this matter. yeah. My, my Saturday double, the first party we did the Hora during the opening dance set. Second party, we did the Hora after the cake, after the candle lighting. And there was a reason I, and, and, you know, not to spend hours on it, but, you know, there was there was some real serious thought on why we did it in each place uh, differently. So um, I want to jump into the next one. One of my favorite events, maybe of all time, but definitely in the last year or so, was Liza Sherman's party. We talk about her often on this podcast. I, I hope she's listening. Liza, you were the most perfect, amazing customer, and we loved working with you. And... We were greeted at this event in a way that I've never been greeted before. And I I, I have to say it was the nicest thing that's probably ever happened at a bar about mitzvah for us. But when our staff got there for setup, you know, we started unloading the truck and almost instantly somebody from the venue came out with a gift basket and said, this is for you guys, your team, for, you know, enjoy. And we didn't really know what this was. I actually thought it was a gift basket that we were like supposed to give out or maybe it had kids stuff in it, you know, socks. But when we opened it up, there was a letter that says, can't wait to party with you guys. Love the Shermans. And, and in it was cookies and candy bars and energy drinks and water bottles. And man, it was 
awesome. And like, we were tired. I mean, a lot of that was a Sunday party. We had worked Saturday, you know, it was a, a decent commute to get there. And there was nothing nicer than just to start the party with, you know, from some refreshments and snacks and, uh, you know, not that I would ever ask anybody to do that, but wow, what a nice way to show the team that we're appreciated. Yeah. Um, it was I, awesome. I love that. And, and we still talk about that one. I mean, it's just those little, those little things. People kind of forget that our job is not a five hour party that starts with cocktail hour. It's hours beforehand planning and coordinating. And then in, in almost every case, it's two plus hours of setup. Unlike weddings where maybe you can get away with a 90 minute, you know, beforehand, we are at a minimum two hours beforehand, if not more. I mean, it seems like that party specifically more. was five hours. We have yeah, five, hours, have, of five hours of setup, five hours of performance, and then we had breakdown. Uh, right. So, but what I want, I talk about that party. First off, the theme was fire. And that was awesome. Like I've seen fire and ice themed events, but I've never seen just straight up fire. And the way that the whole theme was tied in, Liza did much of it herself. You know, she was like the perfect example of DIY and hiring the right people. So the DIY was she came up with the theme Unmatched for Matt's Bar Mitzvah. And then there were matchbooks all over the place. And, you know, the fire theme took over. Um, as crazy as we could sometimes get, we were somewhat limited on what we could do with actual fire within the facility. Right. Um, but, you know, the whole tying in of, you know, the sparkler machines, uh, we used a lot of CO2 for the cold blast, but we illuminated it with orange and red to make it look like blasts of fire. Um, and the video wall, the way that tied in was just magnificent. Um, you know, yeah, we well, you guys, wall you guys also fire. did, you guys also did a lot with um, touch points. I mean, we've talked about it before, but like in the very first touch point, people are going to walk into this venue and they're going to be greeted with a blacked out hallway that's illuminated with red, the red, um, you know, uh, uplighting. Yeah, the, the red uplighting, and and that made it, it engulfed you in that theme right from the beginning. It wasn't like you entered into this elegant ballroom and then all of a sudden it's like, there's the theme. It was the theme was the very first thing you saw. Um, so I think that made a big deal for for her uh, and this specific celebration. It's a, it's a great example of buying into your theme. Um, you know, we we had events that were Broadway themed, which is a very, very all all encompassing theme. But to take it one step further, uh, my brother still talks about one of his favorite events from the season where he was um, on an event that wasn't just Broadway themed, but specifically Ellen Stardust Diner Broadway. So it was like the semi-professional diner style performing arts, you know, trying to make it on Broadway type of hard knocks. And I just think that's so cool because it's one degree different than what everyone else is doing. Yeah. We, we, you know, actually at the event that I did last night, um, Jeannie Weintraub's kid was, was there and we did that hall of fame baseball in our backyard. It wasn't just baseball. It wasn't just sports, but it was the next level. Yeah. Yeah. It was just that one degree difference. And I think that makes a big difference uh, or a, a big impact. Um, I got one for you, Mike. Um, one of the most incredible celebrations had, uh, it was recently, we did it and it was ski themed, uh, ski lodge. And they recreated mm -hmm. the entire like ski mountain that they love all the way down to like branding the food stands to the restaurants that are in the ski lodge. Like it was yeah. really great. Um, so that, that event was decorated by Debbie's designs and they, 
I've worked with them now on the ski theme a few times, and it's it's they knock it out of the park. Yeah, I mean, all the way down to the photo station not being just a, a vinyl backdrop with you know snow on it. It was a full on ski lift chair, um, so it was great. But one of the things that I noticed about that one is we were never able to gain momentum because there was so much happening between uh, a true ski simulator that they use for pros like pro athletes use this thing where you strap into boots and have to like slalom back and forth um between that and we had a snow machine that was running um while the kids were doing this vr like thing there was so much and then there was 15 i i'm, I'm not exaggerating 15 different style tapas stations ranging from ice cream and waffles to s'mores to like all kinds of awesome food that we were never able to gain momentum on the dance floor because there was just so much to do and you could spend just an hour eating food with not with no other like limitations uh you, you would never you wouldn't get bored so um, so let me ask you though because that, that family was so happy like so from your perspective you didn't have a packed dance floor but they had an experiential party right that so that's where unmatched that's that's where unmatched. Uh, that's where I was going. So and, and look who's checking in. Just speak of the devil right there. We're just talking about it. Um, that's exactly what I was. That's exactly what I was saying. Is that I couldn't gain momentum from a dance floor perspective, but then I very quickly realized that this was we were secondary in comparison to all the other things that were going on, and we had to retool the way that we approached the celebration. It wasn't going to be a dance party. It was going to be us as just fun people having fun doing all of these other things. Yeah. And um, it wasn't a bummer for our staff. Like I know that they were hired to be dancers, but they weren't, they weren't there to dance anymore. They were there to play ping pong with the kids and run tournaments like that, or take crazy photo booth photos or just go and hang out and be friends. Let them, let them forget about whatever dramas are going on with the end of the school year, stuff like that. So right. uh, I really liked that this family bought into knowing their kid wasn't going to be a dancer and just, Ran with it. That was okay. I dig that. That that's cool. You know what? Good good transition point there too. I'm uh, looking at my list of events in the last six weeks, and I'm going to go to another day that I did a double. Um, my morning was basically acting as a host um, to a small party, and I thought this this is a really cool concept for somebody that doesn't want you know big over the top lavish. But uh, I was at a nightclub at the Jersey Shore. They had brought in a couple games for the kids. We brought in an acoustic guitar player. And they had just a very chill brunch. And I loved it. It was super memorable, super cool. Um, certainly didn't break the bank. Uh, much smaller, more intimate party. And you go back to our conversation earlier of who do you invite? Where do you cut the list? This was a very easy situation for them to cut the list. You know, they had... 25 maybe 30 people at the service and the service took place at the venue and then maybe another 25 or 30 people showed up and they had fun simple they ate breakfast items they had uh three candles for a candle lighting ceremony dad make made a speech um and that was that it was it was brunch it was a nice afternoon brunch um and you know the idea of having a guitar player just there as opposed to a loud dj you know pumping music like it would just fit the whole ambient feel um 
So I, I really liked that party. And um, since then, we've booked two more just like it, um, which I'm excited about. And, you know, it's a change of pace for us, change of pace for the guests. Um, ironically enough, later that same night, kids from the same school were at the party I did in the evening. And shout out to the Gresser family. Possibly one of the most high energy dance parties that we've ever had. I mean, our dancers still talk about it. We didn't stop for anything. I think we danced through the main course. Like we we definitely danced through dessert. We danced through everything. And that was the perfect example of adults that were looking to rage. They didn't steal the party from the kids. It just was the perfect flow and nonstop energy through the roof. You know, it's it's really funny because it it just shows that kids can do both. Kids are malleable. I I mean, how many times do we hear these boys don't dance and then here they are dancing or how many times do we hear like you know our adults they really want their table time and then they're dancing on the stages so i don't know mike like you kind of gotta let you kind of gotta let your hair down a little bit and and throw your hat in the ring on on the possibility of it being a great you know dance party as well yeah um but that doesn't that doesn't go against my first sentiment of knowing your crowd and knowing what's going to work for them and, and um, book the right space you know yeah Book, book the right space for the right time of day, you know, like, uh, although the first party I mentioned was at a nightclub, the fact that it was broad daylight with an acoustic guitar player, that set the tone that this is not going to be a dance party. Um, right. Whereas, you know, other parties kind of fight that, you know, there's a giant dance floor in the middle of the room, and then there's a DJ. So it's like, well, what what are you? Are you trying to be a dance party? Or are you not trying to be a dance party? Oh, I got I got a point for you. Um Real fast, because I know we're up against it, but I got a point for you. How about the email that you got from your event last weekend when um, the venue had installed lighting and staging and all this, this cool stuff, but then we brought lights as well. Like, talk about how sometimes sometimes having additive um, of the same stuff is is a is a win. Um, yeah, so without naming the venue, a lot of venues have installed lights. And they look great architecturally, but they don't add much to the show. Um, this same family attended an event at the same venue about a month prior. And they said to me, you know, everything was awesome. We had a great time. But Mike, you know, if it were your party, what would you do different? And I said, I wish that the venue would run the lights. And if they're not going to run the lights, then I wish that you would get lights from us that we can run. So while the venue had, I think, six moving headlights in the ceiling, they were kind of doing the same pattern the entire night. Um, we brought our own and we worked them along with the music. So when we do our black light invasion, which is really becoming popular again, you know, that last I hour. All, I did it night, yesterday. Yeah, did it yesterday. We, we did it simultaneously almost. You know, the, the last hour of the night when the venue can turn off their lights and we could just start with the black lights and then introduce some strobes and then introduce white beams of light that are moving. And the, the lighting just builds with the music. There's such a theatrical moment to that. When we did the black light invasion oh, several weeks ago at the same venue without our lights, we had no control. Like our black lights went on, but their like orange and green lights were just slowly still like moving in a vibey way. And it's like, this vibe doesn't fit the music, you know? Uh, well, so some, some venues are really great because they'll let us control them and they yeah. trust us. 
um, whether we were on the install program of it or or not. Like uh, Orem, on, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, like Orem. Like I ran, I ran the lights. <laughs> Mike P yesterday goes, "It's so cool when you can do both. When you can run lights and do the sound. Like it, it was, it was, it worked well." Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I got one more for you. And again, we were supposed to talk about all six weeks, but I got one from Saturday where um, the family really did something great with the theme. Uh, and it was something simple that didn't cost them any money. But they, uh, her name was Emmy. Her name is Emmy. Um, and they had the Emmy Awards. And during the dad's speech, he gave out different awards. But then he, at the very end, to show how much his daughter is amazing, he gave out the best Emmy to Emmy. And everyone just got it. And it was really sweet. But what I liked the most about it is that he incorporated us into it where like I had to give him the envelope that had the award name in it. And we, and he started going on and on in his speech and was rambling. And we started playing like the background gone with the wind music to like (laughs) cut him off. So I like when families don't take it too seriously. They don't have to impress anyone. And I think, I think it also goes back to, they had only their friends there. It wasn't like a political, there wasn't political invites like from work or something like that. So they were able to let loose and be goofy. And I love that. It made it fun for us too. I, you know, I mentioned in my email, I loved um, Saturday night when it was a baseball theme. We introduced the guest of honor under an arch of baseball bats. And it was so simple. One of the coaches who was already a guest brought uh, 12 baseball bats out of his car um, you know, and, and they knew in advance he was doing this, but he brought 12 baseball bats. We had 12 of the teammates each hold a bat. They pointed them up into an arch. When the Bartlett's boy ran in, he ran in under an arch. And it was so simple, but so cool, so different and free. So so here's here's my point to take away from that. And, and for those who have listened all the way through here, you're going to get this and this is going to be awesome. Um this is a great example of having ownership among the kids for the celebration because they felt a part of it that they didn't want to let that kid down. They wanted to be a big part of that that in, that entrance. And we see a lot with Sweet 16s with the court, right? A court of, for the Sweet 16, you know, girl. Um, those kids are like the spark plugs for the event. And I bet you those kids that were holding the baseball bat talked about it all night. And not only did I talk about it all night, but I bet you that they were a big part of the dance floor as well because they had ownership in the celebration. They, they were there for the right reasons. They were there to help celebrate, you know, the young man that was being bar mitzvahed. And it's almost like when you talk to your kid about their friend group, have them assign some VIPs that will help with different things, whether it be, you know, maybe it's, uh, helping with the entrances or helping us start dance sets or give out prizes or stuff like that. Cause they don't give them ownership and they're less likely to be D bags in that case. <laughs> you know, it's like having an assigned bridal party, but in the, uh, the mitzvah party, yep. um, I, I just glanced real quick Dylan back at my last six weeks and uh, two standout events. Also um, one was a grounds for sculpture, just a cool, unique space. Now, logistically really really tough um i would do the same party all over again almost the same way i would the one thing i would change is where the candle lighting took place um there just wasn't seating for candle lighting and i feel like we talked about this but maybe we didn't because we haven't done the podcast since but you know if you're going to do a candle lighting you have to have seating period end of conversation like i want to put a stamp on that you know comment um we had a warm day in a non-air conditioned space with zero seating options. 
And when candle lighting took place, it was a mess. It was it was the most messy candle lighting I've ever seen. Um, to the point where I was almost embarrassed to be part of it. And there just wasn't a better option in the space that was given to us or the direction that was given to us. Um, that's the one thing in hindsight that I do wish we changed. And, you know, I'm man enough to say, you know, I think that we messed up there and we could have done that differently. The rest of the party, though, lent itself to this super cool venue where people were able to wander around, check out the grounds, you know, see the sculptures and enjoy a more relaxed artistic party. And, you know, the kids had a, a paint your own sneaker station, which was very cool because the bat mitzvah girl was into sneakers and she was an artist. Um, yeah. Well, they also had the Andy Warhol um, photo station. Was, yeah. So, so that almost like, Ask, ask how we can incorporate your theme with the enhancements. How can we make your theme a part of it? She was very artsy. So we made a filter for the Andy Warhol with the Andy Warhol effect um, right. for the photo station. That's just one of those things. The last one that I'm going to talk about, and then I want you to have one more to take us home, is we were up in Utica, New York, doing a bar mitzvah. I, it feels like at this point, like forever ago, but it was it was almost 30 days ago. We were in Utica, New York. Utica's a little town just north of Albany. And they've never seen a show like what we did. And man, it was so much fun. The party took place in a train station. Um, and the train station was beautiful. Very old, very authentic um and i mean it was active there was literally a train that let out at eight o'clock at night when <laughs> we were in the middle of the party and the guests like the guests walked out of the the you know they came up the steps from the train and they like they looked in it and the party was raging uh it was a harry potter theme and it just all tied itself in really really nicely um the decorator that was involved was awesome uh again my my take home from that event um was don't be afraid to think out of the box you know they had a very cool out of the box venue they had a unique theme they hired a dj company from out of their area that you know, was willing to travel um and the only hiccup happened unfortunately with the family their budget was exceeded and and they didn't find out until last minute and it had nothing to do with us they knew what our bill was from day one straight through but there were certain last minute things that they ran into that became problematic. And uh, I felt a little bad, but I, I wonder, you know, what the truth was and how that all came to fruition. Um, maybe they weren't as involved in the planning as they should be, or maybe their guest count wasn't what it needed to be. But I, I do know that happened at the end. And I think it took them away from being able to enjoy their party a little bit, uh, because I think the party was a 10 out of 10. And you could tell that they loved it and they had fun, but you know, at the end, they were more consumed with, like, breaking down the DIY stuff and getting stuff back to their home. Like, they didn't have a system of things appointed of what can be left behind or, you know, who can take these things. So at the very end, instead of saying, hi, goodbye, we had so much fun, love you, you know, see you at the after party, the mom and dad were literally sitting there breaking down their own event, and I, I felt really bad, so... Yeah, I mean, it's it's just an example of having too much on your plate uh, for your event and making it hard to be a guest as well. Yeah. Um, All right, your last and favorite event in the last six weeks. Did we talk about 
the Templeton family on this podcast yet? I don't think so. I don't think so either, because you mentioned that the last time we did this thing was like around March, you know, end of March. The Templeton family was the beginning of, of uh, April. And to set the scene here, and I know that we're gone now over time, um, this family had had to postpone their celebration. Um, the kids were well over 15 at this point um, by postponing as, as often as they did. But we forget the emotional toll that this takes on our young our young adults here. Um, there's a lot of pressure on them. There's a lot of um, stress that comes with this. And most of it's not put on by parents, but some of it is. Um, and I want our families to be mindful of, of the pressures that come with it, especially as a young person here, um, where our, our bot mitzvah girl ended up having, uh, you know, developing some, some pretty bad anxieties and, End up ended up doing like an outward bound type of facility, um, you know, uh, program where she had to like leave her home for a while and kind of re find herself. And when she did find herself, she developed an, a, a new identity. And everyone was extremely supportive of this new identity, um, including her friends and family. Like it was a very emotional thing for us to be able to celebrate for this this new bat mitzvah girl. Right. Um, and the family was very open and honest with me about how they were going about it this time around. Now that this kid is 15 and it has a completely new identity. Um, and what I learned was when you come at it from an angle of love and acceptance, so does everyone else. And when I tell you that every single guest at that, celebration for that young woman loved her loved her and made her feel so special it made me emotional and my favorite part about it was watching her celebrate and comfortable in her own skin which i can imagine was the first time in a long time and i loved that that's really cool and then the grandfather who in a lot of cases we don't speak to grandparents uh you know often right when we plan these things the grandfather came up to me and said, you don't know me, but I'm the grandfather. And I want to thank you because what you have done over the last three plus years as they've been planning and rescheduling and postponing and then the hardship that they've gone through came to a great, great end with happiness and love and acceptance. And it was so powerful for me to be to be recognized by people who weren't, you know, a part of the, the nucleus that was the event. Right. Um, right. I love that. That's really cool, Dylan. Really, really cool. And as my daughter's saying hi, uh-huh. she's just came home from school. Say hi to the whole world because we're on a podcast. Hi. Everybody in the whole world can see you. Everyone. <laughs> uh, we uh, let's take this one home. But what a great podcast! A lot of fun. Um, been a crazy six or seven weeks, man. And uh, I think we have another week or two before things calm down, and then. We'll be back before we know it in uh, the land of insanity. So <laughs> episode number 105, me and my partner in crime over here, Miss Haven. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to the Mastering Mitzvahs podcast, and we'll catch you guys hopefully next week. We'll say hopefully. See I think we'll, we'll see you then. Take All care. Right.